What's up? I threw my bracket away. LeBron is still the king. And where in the world is Baker Mayfield headed? You'll find all that next on Double Bonus. And welcome to the Double Bonus Podcast. I'm here, as always, with my man Jackson. Jackson, how's your bracket doing? Uh, I'm all right right now. I mean, I could be better. I lost the Final Four team day one, but I feel like a lot of people did. I didn't lose a champion day one like some people might have. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about what happened to my bracket because it also happened to my team. Um, I could sit here for an hour and tell you everything that um, I've gone through in the last six days after Kentucky lost. If you're confused, I had Kentucky in the championship as well as to many other people. Um, but I've decided from here on out, I will never pick them to win a game. And then I will never be as let down as I was this year. It also doesn't help that I have this feeling that I curse all the sports teams that I root for. And a bunch of their worst moments in their history has happened while I'm alive. Like I've been, I've talked to a few lifelong Kentucky fans and they were like, yeah, this ranks probably the worst the worst tournament experience I've ever had. I, I was like, well, I'm, I'm glad I was here for it. So I can say there was never one worse than this. I just know you were hurt because I remember the words I heard you say, Coach Cal scares me in a lot of things, but I trust him not to get upset. Yeah, um, I'm going to act like I never said that because I definitely did. And even that day, I you, you have that feeling with your team. You're like, ooh, maybe we'll lose. Like with Alabama, and everyone's like, oh, he likes Alabama too. Listen, guys, it was a family thing. Okay, I got thrown into it. But with Alabama, I'm the same way. Like I can kind of get that gut feeling like, ooh, this isn't going well. Mostly because, you know, we just roll over everyone else. Kentucky's doesn't roll over people, but I can kind of tell when they're playing good and not playing good. And honestly, from the first five minutes in, I was like, I know Gonzaga had a close game at first, but this just does not feel good. And I was kind of busy, so I was on and off watching the game and just hoping they would pull away, which they did a few times. And the coach apparently just – Coach Cal didn't understand that he had uh, timeouts and the lead with only three minutes left to go. With that to say, has your favorite to win it all changed? No. I still like Gonzaga. You still like Gonzaga? A lot. Um, well, if you survive the opening weekend, you like them a lot more. Uh, I who they play in that second round? They played Memphis. Memphis, yeah, another and tight game against Memphis. It but was, and in the second half, Drew Timmy came to play. Yeah, I mean he's done that. He did that kind of against St. Mary's, and that gave me a lot of faith in that team to lock them in the Final Four. Because even when Chet didn't play good or Drew didn't play good, like someone else rose to the occasion. Like someone on that team is always going to rise to the occasion until yeah. they get to the Final Four. And now probably the championship. I would say they're my favorite to go to the championship. Um, but I'm still Arizona all the way. I'm still a Wildcats. They had a close call against the Horn Frogs. Um, you know my Horn Frogs that I love. But uh, that was a tough. I mean that truly was a tough team. Like that was a top three team in the Big Twelve. And Jackson, I got I got an idea for us. Yeah. I should have said this on the preview because I've been thinking about this all day. And I figured out how we're gonna fix college sports. Okay. Okay. So I've got a paper here so I can explain this to Jackson. So basically, folks, I think college sports should be sometimes in football they already are divided into a east and west or a north and a south. I think that college conferences, quad one, like the SEC, the Big 12, the ACC, should be divided into a north and a south or an east and a west. 
So for the ACC, for example, you know, that what the what is this going to do for the game? One, I think it's going to make college basket. It would make college basketball so much more money because you're playing your rivalries more. So the rivalries are growing. Like for the SEC, for example, like people kind of consider Kentucky and Tennessee a rivalry, but it's really just whoever the top competition in the SEC is. They're like, oh, this is a rivalry. Why not just make it to where Kentucky and Tennessee and Auburn and Kentucky and, you know, those guys see each other each twice and then we limit the appearance of, you know, Vanderbilt. Like, I don't, they don't need to see Vanderbilt twice. Mm-hmm. They don't need to see, you know, South Carolina twice. They don't need to see Arkansas twice. They should cut it, divide it up in each quad one conference, so like Big 12, SEC, ACC. What this does is you rank those teams one through four or one through five. And then when the conference tournament comes along, the five plays the one, the one plays the five. The, the higher one seed is on top playing the five. The lower one seed is on the bottom playing the five because they would be the away in the chase of, case of a championship and same thing for the top. So that way, the middle would be the same. You know, the two would play the, the uh, four and the threes would play each other dead in the center. Mm-hmm. And then the one, the top one, would get the bye onto playing, you know, so I think if they divided it to there, what does this do? What's the point of this? The point of this is to allow four more. I think that would allow four more out-of-conference games that are going to help college basketball better rank teams. And I think this is the same for football as it is for basketball. Because, you know, when the seeding came out, everyone's like, oh, how is that fair? Big Ten gets nine. And, you know, SEC gets – you know, how did Texas A&M not make it? But Michigan did. Like – I bet Texas A&M's like pointing at it like we could that could be us like that should be us you know and when you do this it opens the gate to now you can play out of conference in the okay and you still get outright so if Kentucky and Auburn were both one seeds in the SEC or whatever or Kentucky and whoever it would still be the highest record in the overall SEC would get the outright ticket to March Madness okay and then what that does is those four games okay now I get to see either Kentucky and Duke, Kentucky or Kansas, you know, I get to see a blue blood matchup. I get to see Duke go over and play Arizona. I get to see um, Duke play a Big Ten school. I get to see Duke play Iowa that I would never, ever see. What that's going to do is that silences all of the, you know, what conference is better, how do we decide who's better? Because how did, how did we just decide that the Big Ten was a tough conference? Same, when, same with the SEC. I mean, yeah. you, you throw Kentucky, Tennessee, and Auburn, two twos and a three seed. Yeah, and, none and then of they all the fell. Weekend. Exactly. But then you look at the ACC. And who, they're all still there. Duke, exactly. That's Carolina, my point. Miami. Because I think the ACC was misseeded. 100%. And I think, you know, and I was like, I was like, this literally proves this idea I've had that if we would have done that, we would have known, one, the ACC wasn't weaker because when ACC teams lost to each other, they're like, oh, the conference is weak this year. Yeah. We don't think that. No, that's, that's total bull crap. You can't just decide which conference is better. Look at the SEC in the Big 12 matchup. Kentucky whopped Kansas by 25 points mid-year. That will be the only good thing that came out of the season is we embarrassed Kansas at Kansas. And then Texas also lost to an SEC team, and Alabama beat Baylor. So it has to bring in the question, we have to find a better way to get more out-of-conference games. And what does this do? It, it makes the sport more popular. As an SEC guy, I do not care to watch Iowa and Purdue. I barely cared to watch them in the Big Ten championship game. I was like, I really don't care about any of these teams because I bet only one of them is alive. By the way, Richmond, that, that aged well for me. We're going to go back to that um, 
now because Richmond did beat Iowa, and I'm glad I was on the Richmond side. But but anyways, back to what I was saying. That I think for college basketball would would just restructure. Not even I'm not even college basketball, but also college football. And so if we expand to an 18 playoff, the the same argument will always be there. Who should have been in? Who should have been in? It ends if we start getting rid of stupid out-of-conference games. I don't need to see Kentucky play Vanderbilt twice every year, and I don't need to see them play Missouri once a year because Missouri's a waste of time. Let Missouri be, you know, they don't need to be playing the bottom teams in the conference. At the beginning of the year, they can say, okay, we think, you know, pre-ranking, let's say Kentucky and Arkansas or Duke and um, Clemson were in different ones, even though they're close. What this would do is you can also, you know, the regions, you can, okay, so Duke and North Carolina are obviously close, you know, the closest ACC teams to each other versus these, like, Kentucky and South Carolina. Like, South Carolina's in one, Kentucky's in another. Like, they're farther away. If we're going to travel, let's travel and go play an out-of-conference game so we can, and at the beginning of the season, they do, you know, they play one, and, like, I just don't think that's enough. I think that, one, if I was a coach, I would be, like, pushing for something like this because I need to see these teams midseason, you know? But I had that thought today, and I was just like, this is what college basketball should be doing. Because someone mentioned to me earlier this week, football was made for television. Like, the timeouts are made for television. You know, basketball was not invented for television, but football was. And that's the difference. So if we're going to be adapting and changing the game, I think this would help, especially with conferences getting bigger now, these bigger conferences, like with the SEC getting new football teams. We need to divide it up to help save travel time and save pointless games, and we can see which conferences are stronger. It's also so lame at the fact that we base everything on how strong a conference is off of the very first games of the year. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. You, you play your out-of-conference games yeah. your, first, your first two months, yeah. and then you get halfway through the season, and all you do is play your conference. Well, your conference mm-hmm. has already decided how strong it is. Right. It doesn't matter if you get better and another conference gets a little weaker throughout the season. It's all based on how you play other conferences in the first few months of the season. So I agree with you in the fact of I think that there should be more. There should be some out-of-conference thrown in there late in the season. Like, I'd love to see mm-hmm. Gonzaga play Duke mm-hmm. in February right. or January. Right, when instead it matters, of, not in the Hawaii Invitational. It in November. Right. That's the only time we ever see that. Right. Because I was just thinking today, like, for example, people are always like, we need, well, we got to have more out-of-conference games. And I was like, what's a practical way to do that? Oh, okay, I have an idea. Let's split some conferences up so I don't have to watch, you know, Duke and Virginia play twice. You know, like, okay, that's a bad example. But you get what I'm saying. like Duke and Boston College. Duke and Boston College. I don't need to see them play twice. Let's put Boston College in a different conference. Because then you're saying, okay, so, do you know, we rank these guys as the one and twos. We're going to put them up against each other. Um, And then these are the three and fours, we think. So this year we're going to put them up against each other. Or even mix it up. You know, Duke plays this year. They play Boston College and Virginia Tech. The next year they'll play, um, you know, Clemson and whoever. And then it flip-flops, like like in football, because that's what football does. And that's why people – that's why I think football is – one of the more popular sports and easier for people to sit around a TV and be like, oh, okay, I, I get it. You know, this is that guy and this is that guy going up against each other. It's powerhouse versus powerhouse. And that would bring so much entertainment to the game to be able to write storylines like, you know, um, instead of writing like these storylines we write in March about, you know, this um, this whole, you know, like Coach Cal doesn't know – show teams how to make free throws late in the year. Like, let's watch him play a team in February when it matters because – and I know, obviously, they played Tennessee, and that was a punch in the gut too. But that way, 
going into your conference tournament before like a couple weeks before that it's a fresh look at what you're looking at where you're at you know compared to the beginning and the end and it helps coaches you know be like because cal even said you know at the end of the year i don't think i coached this team different enough and i would be like well of course you didn't because we were you know five and four now to end the year like that's horrible you you're not hot you're going to the tournament cold um, the perfect that's a, example of that is Carolina beating Duke at, yeah, at Duke. Absolutely. And, and that, now beating Baylor, you know. We I, overtime game, we destroyed Baylor. We did. You almost coughed it up, but you got it. I mean you got it. Ten, they called ten straight fouls on Carolina. Like legitimately oh a stretch don't, of ten straight fouls. Don't even start fouls. me on the officiating this tournament has been like It has. It's been a story. The, uh, did you see the Illinois it's been like get it, Yeah, up? and that was I mean, that's one thing, like the Malawi kid or whatever his name is, he got teed up. And I just think that – I think that these officials haven't ref since 2019, and they just found them all, and they're like, hey, you guys ready to start your job again? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're sure we're up for it. I, I seriously – I don't like to badger officials too much, especially because I know it's such a difficult job. But I know a lot of officials, and I've watched games with them, and I've seen them in the moment sitting there watching a game make a better call than – and, you know, that's obviously easier from a couch than it is a gym floor around, you know, 20-something grown men. But – it's just it was a frustrating it was a frustrating part of that for me has been some of the officiating because I've had I've struggled with some of the charge calls I've struggled with some of the blocking calls and I've been like we need to get we need to get rid of some gray area here this off season now I think that we're out sometimes of COVID. the tournament needs to be officiated differently than a regular season game for example Brady Malik for Carolina in January do you throw throw him out for elbowing a kid in the face maybe yeah in, in the in the NCAA well tournament, same thing with the Bayheim thing like. If he would have got a technical in the game, they probably wouldn't have thrown him out in that uh, ACC tournament game. You know what I mean? Yeah, there there just needs to be like you can't throw a kid out like that in in the in yeah. uh, this round of thirty two. The same thing college football. Like they just up oh, flagrant flagrant one. You know your or ejection. You know you're out of here. Can't play the next first half. And it always happens to an Alabama player for the championship game. And it's always a storyline. It's obnoxious. But hey, while we're on the topic of basketball, Jackson, even though Kentucky may have lost, and that has been sad. I have been watching my childhood hero go crazy. LeBron James has been going absolutely nuts. And do I think he's the greatest of all time? It's up there. He's up there. He's not he's maybe not the greatest of all time, but at 37 to be doing what he's doing for a not very good Lakers team, I'm excited to say that he's 3 games up in uh the play-in tournament right now and they actually sent out a reminder today about the play-in tournament and the rules and such. And I kind of like the play-in tournament format because if LeBron wins that and then I get to watch him, like if he wins that and he's in the postseason, there's going to be a whole new level of excitement for me to watch him. Do I think they're going to go very far? Probably not, but it will be super exciting. Right now, who do you think in the West is still the strongest team? Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. I, I No hesitation. I like Phoenix. They've been there. And they've, you know, we, we talk about LeBron gets through the play-in game. Let's say, you know, they mm-hmm. win one, then they lose the other one, so they'd be the eighth seed. Is that how that works, correct? So if LeBron and them technically uh, – okay, so I think if the Lakers were to win their playing game, it would be against the Clippers because it would be the 7 and the 10, the 8 and the 9. And if anyone on this podcast, please leave a comment and let me know if I'm wrong. But just off the top of my head, the Lakers would then play the Memphis Grizzlies? Because they're the two, and then the seven and ten would play the one. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's the seven and the eight play, the nine and the ten play, which wouldn't make sense. Um, but, Jackson, keep, keep giving me your thoughts on that Western Conference. So, Phoenix is the kind of team where they have beat LeBron. 
Mm-hmm. So I think that if they got in a situation where they played LeBron early on, they're not scared. Yeah. You got some uh, young the thing is with them though, dude, like are they scared right now? Is CP3 going to be healthy in the first round? Cuz what's he, what injuries he's dealing with? He's dealing with a um it's some sort of like quad thing or something like that. I have no clue. I I I just But it's coming up. The play-in tournament is now only 20 days away uh, cuz it'll be Tuesday, April 12th. Um I'm also not a fan of the play-in tournament. Okay. I was wrong. It's the seven and the eighth versus the ninth and the tenth. And then the winner of the it's so confusing because the NBA set it up to where like there's so many possibilities. Okay, so if the nine and the ten play, all right, and the winner of that game will play the eight seed. And then the loser of the seven and eight. Basically, the lowest seed left out of the playing tournament will go play the one, and the lowest seed left out of the, uh, or the highest seed left out of the playing tournament would go play the two. So the Lakers right now would be looking at the Grizzlies and um, the Pelicans and the Timberwolves. Oh, but if the Timberwolves won, okay, but that doesn't make sense because the way they have this set up, it's the seventh and the eighth. So I guess. There's no way the 7th and the 8th then would play if the ninth and the 10th. I think on this page here they have it backwards because the way I'm saying it doesn't make sense. For you people at home, someone let me know. I think it's the 7 versus the 10. The highest, the you know, if the 10 wins, they get in and they go play the 1. If the 7 wins, they go in and play the 2. Unless, or no, the 7 seed would automatically play. But if the 10 seed won no matter what, they're going to go play the 2. Basically, the higher seed plays the, you know, the higher, the lower seed plays the higher seed always, and we're going to stick to that. Um, but no, I like the way the Lakers are playing basketball. It's given me a new hope because I've just been very sad about baseball season is not here yet. Uh, Yachty was late to training camp for the Cardinals, and I'm a big Cardinals guy. Um, and uh, I am very low on the Lakers right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm just a fan. I'm just a fan of it, you know. In, in a year where uh, LeBron Russ, had... Russ finally made a shot after he bricked the game winner. He made the game winner, and then he wore his son's sweater last night, and I was like, oh, that's cute. Um, Here's what's funny. Fans calling him, you know, West. West Brick. Yeah, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to do it to him, okay? I'll, I'll I don't want him it. to throw a punch at me. <laughs> fans calling him that. Is, is irritates him, but like people tweet it, like like media people tweet it, like big name media people tweet it, and I'm like, you're not gonna like you're not gonna confront these people, like this feels backwards. I guess it's because you know like I don't know he can't he can't confront them maybe like face to face. I guess it could, but I don't know that's that whole situation is confusing to me. He's playing better basketball right, but now. he is he is playing better basketball. Um, I wonder if it I wonder if LeBron said sit down and shut up because. I was, like, happy. The happiest I've been for him the last month is when he yelled at everyone on that rebound that no one got during the end of the game before the Raptors. Um, when he yelled at everyone, like, get the rebound. What are you all doing? Like, looking at me going for it, you know? But teams that are hot right now, um, the Bucks are kind of getting in a stride late. The Nets are v- so hot. Um, the Warriors are trying to get – they've only had, I think – 
Draymond, Clay, and Steph on the court at the same time for 11 minutes so far this season. And Curry's so, out. And Curry's out now because of that ankle, which was completely dirty. You never dive at a player's knees. I understand the hustle, but at the same time, you're a professional athlete. You know, you don't go diving through a guy. I think it. I think it should have been a fine and an ejection. The same when it happened to LeBron a couple of years ago because that that really told him for the rest of that year. Actually, it was last year. Um, then, so I think the hottest team is. Probably number one would be the the Nets just because they're flying up the they're literally have a chance of not getting out of the play in bracket right now uh, the way they're playing. I think just overall, and this has been something I've seen on Twitter a lot, and this is from NBA to college to high school. Basketball is so good right now. Mm, basketball is quality. I mean, the amount of players in the NBA that if you looked at could score 60 points any given night. It's, it's happened like all the time in the it's last couple of weeks. Unbelievable. That's why there's so many upsets in college basketball is because the gap from being good and great isn't mm-hmm. that much anymore. Right. I mean, it, especially it, in college because of the G League and yeah, all those kinds and there's, of things. There's just no gap. And that's why I think somebody like LeBron in his current age is struggling to carry a team like the Lakers because mm-hmm. he can't do it every night. Yeah. And, he can. and he's picking that, and choosing at this point. And the way that the NBA is right now, you have to do it every night if you're going to be a. Oh, yeah. winning like that. I mean, because they're the Lakers, and everyone's like, "Oh, we got to show up for the Lakers." Yes, Let's triple team LeBron, and then let Russell shoot. You know, um, and actually, correction: the statistically, the two hottest teams are the Phoenix Suns. They've won five in a row, and the Hornets have won five in a row to put themselves back in the play-in spot. Um, the Hawks moved their way back into the pl- bottom of the play-in uh, spot recently. We hadn't talked too much NBA recently, but they in the last couple weeks have moved in there as well as the Hornets. Um, so they're. They're there. I like that. I like the way the uh, the East is kind of hammering out right now. Uh, the Bulls have fallen down to a five, and I don't like that for them. I don't know if they got scared and they're ducking. They're trying to duck KD. Um, but, oh gosh, they're just – I guess for them, I know a Bulls fan. He's like, we're just going to make the playoffs. And I was like, you're like – every time I'll mess with them, like, oh, you're going to play something, they're going to drop 40 on your head every game, and he just kind of ducks it. Um, but the Bulls are – they won last night or they won the night before that, um, but they're just haven't – they've really fallen off this last month. I know they battled some injury and, and some health issues and stuff like that, but um, who do you think the biggest – who do you think has had the biggest, like, letdown other than the Lakers? Or who do you think right now is letting down? I mean, I think it's hard to not – I besides the Lakers – Brooklyn. I mean, I know they've had a lot of injuries, yeah. but still, I mean, with so many superstars, you'd expect them to be higher up than that. Mm-hmm. I think the, the biggest walk the for me of the whole season is okay. Yeah, the Knicks like completely falling off and nothing changed. I think that was and they made the playoffs last year. I think the Cavaliers. I think we're just gonna have in the East a team every year, just like filter in. Like next year, it'll be the Pacers. Like the Pacers of all of a sudden will be good again for one year, and then they'll be bad again. Um, sorry, Trev, but then like. I think the biggest disappointment for me was the Thunder, like being so young and having so many options and so many draft picks, like they've not done anything the last two years. Like they haven't moved anything around to to do anything. So that's that's confusing to me. But speaking of moving around, the NFL has done everything it can to move around. Brady is back. Uh, we didn't talk about him on Selection Sunday because he intentionally did that just to overshadow the kids so they couldn't have Selection Sunday. He didn't want anyone to enjoy it. He wanted to take over so we would remember that Brady announced his unretirement on Selection Sunday. Um, I don't know. I was kind of like, 
honestly, thank goodness he's back because the NFC looked so bad. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, we got to say Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFC when he just plays a terrible division, you know? Um, that's why I really don't want Baker in the NFC. I mean, Carson Wentz being in the Cowboys division again is great. Um, but the the biggest player still on the table, and we'll talk about this right now, biggest players on the move still on the table, I think, are Baker Mayfield, like – Maybe not the biggest player, but biggest move yet to come is he's, Baker. He's a quarterback that's won a playoff game. And yeah, there's not many of those to go around. Yeah, so. which is fair. Which is which is fair. That's the best way you could put it. Yep. As a as a Browns fan, that's the best way you could put it. Um, and we'll talk we'll talk about them in a second. Uh, but so Baker's up there, Odell's up there. He obviously showed that the Browns were not playing him correctly, and he could still play football. Um, which I knew, I knew Odell, I hated Odell when he was on the Giants and was like, he's overhyped, he's overhyped. And then I was like, you know, maybe he's not, maybe he is just a quality, he can do things, he's a good number two, you know, he can float on a high roster, like he would be good with a team like the Bucks or maybe even like the Cowboys, but he wouldn't be good with a team like the Jets or, you know, the Jaguars or anyone like that. Uh, And then the last one is Tyron Matthew from the Chiefs because they don't have any money to afford him anymore. What did the Cowboys do today? They they re-signed the punter, so it was a bad day in Dallas. It has been a just, what is going on here? Um, Very quiet. Oh, my gosh. Here's the funniest thing, and I won't talk about the Cowboys too long. The funniest thing that happened was that a news, uh, 105.3 in Dallas, like this, they do like Cowboys talk every morning, um, did this thing and talked about how they heard from the own, they heard from Jerry on the phone that Jerry heard Micah was talking to this other player. And then Micah on Twitter was like, this is not true. I did not talk to that player, but that would be cool. Come play in Dallas. Hashtag, you know, horns up or hashtag boys, whatever. Um, and I was like, is this really the type of communication issue that's going on in the front office? Which it's like, it was like a, it is like, is a Cowboys fan that is a little more realistic like me. Um, I was like, this is what's going on in the front office. There is no relationship right now between like management and players. And I don't, this is just going to speak to the failure of next year again. And I really felt like inside of me, I wanted to let go this off season because of some stuff that came out on Jerry Jones. Um, because it felt like a good out, but then another fan did it, and they re- you probably saw it. This fan of the Cowboys released a Twitter like official statement, and he's just like a regular person like I am, and was just like I'm officially uh, m- taking my talents to the Chargers. Hashtag bolt up, and he released like this whole page long thing. And a couple of years ago, um, if the Cowboys wouldn't assign Dak, I said I was gonna go where Dak went because I liked Dak, and I do like Dak. He's a great. I think he's a great guy. Um, and I think he's a tough football player. And I think he's like a slide in the top 10. Um, but lots of the, the – everything besides the players I do not like about the Cowboys, which is starting to just become obnoxious because they just get rid of players. I don't like – honestly, I'm happy to let Lael Collins go because the Bengals signed him. And I was like, I thought you guys wanted to protect, you know, Baker – or protect Joe Burrow, not let him die because – the Cowboys have just got to blow up a lot of things. They, the first, they made some moves, and they were really aggressive to start, and they're like, we're here, and then they kind of shut the door. Other than that, your Browns have been highly aggressive. Very. Um, and, of course, the Cowboys have been, you know, aggressive than more, some teams, but 
at the same time, not as aggressive as teams like the Browns. For a team like the Cowboys where you were close, but you weren't quite there to be in a no, Super Bowl No, they're never winner. close. What close do you mean? They I, lost I, they, to the they, 49ers. They made, they made the playoffs. They made the playoffs. Oh, so my gosh. I, you know, and it was a close game with the 49ers. You just it wasn't. Let me go back and talk about that game. That game was not close. That game, the 49ers almost threw it away, and lucky we slid it away. We slid down and slid the game away. We Literally. ran the clock out because all season long, I said, McCarthy is the biggest problem. He can't manage the clock. He can't manage the clock. He can't manage the clock. In the fourth quarter, I was like, we have a chance, but we can't manage the clock. And then the only time I got hyped during that game was the pass before that, and I was like, run a play, and he took off running. Because we called a timeout, and the Dak took off running. And I was like, why? You have C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson. Uh, Michael Gallup had gotten hurt, sadly, in that game, and that did hurt them. Um, which, oh, my goodness, don't get me started on what happened to our receiving core right now. We just, oh, man, just a horrible offseason right now for the Dallas Cowboys. They were, they were climbing my charts, and I was impressed and then they fell to like a C minus. And it's a C minus because I respect some of the things they did in saving money. But then I was like, you lost some deals. Like you lost Cedric Wilson. You should have kept him. He was a good young talent. You don't have to burn a draft pick. You can draft a lineman now that you terribly need. But I mean, honestly, you can draft a receiver too and a lineman. You're just not going to get good as value for one or the other. But um, the Browns, what do you think about if you were to give me a. A weeks one through five, what do you think will be the storyline for the Browns? Like, what will people be talking about? Jacoby Brissett manages the game. I don't think Deshaun Watson will play weeks one through five. Um, we signed Jacoby wow. Brissett to be the backup, and we also gave Deshaun Watson only one mil on his base salary for uh, his first year. So I think we expect him not to play a lot year one. We think he's going to be suspended by the league, mm-hmm. and I expect the same thing. But we signed Jacoby Brissett, who's been an NFL starter. Mm-hmm. So I think he can come in. But once Deshaun Watson comes in, watch out. The Cleveland Browns have a good roster. We still have – we didn't have to move Chubb or Kareem Hunt in order to get Deshaun Watson. Our defense is fair, but now we have a high-powered offense. We, hi- we got Amari Cooper. We let go of Jarvis. I don't know what else we're going to get the receiving core. R.I.P. Coop. But I think the Browns are good. I think the big difference for the Cleveland Browns this year – was what we saw Cincinnati do in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You see a team that they do have a complete quarterback with a complete roster, mm-hmm. and you're a Super Bowl contender. You go to the Super Bowl. And I think that we wanted that, and so that's why they were so aggressive after Deshaun Watson offered him so much money. Because if he can play football like he did two years ago, they're a serious team now. Mm-hmm. So I, I just don't think that... And what did you guys give up for him again? It was uh, three first-rounders, a third rounder and a fourth rounder for Deshaun Watson and a fifth round pick. And we also restructured Deshaun Watson's deal to where he gets like a ridiculous amount of money guaranteed. You know what I think about the NFL um, that works out for like what the Browns are doing? Very rarely do you ever see a team go all in and it doesn't pay off. The Rams, you go all in and you get Stafford. Philadelphia, you go all in and you have a magical season in, uh, in 2018. You got, um, and there's always consistency. But everyone, the problem is everyone wants to be the Patriots. 
everyone wants to be like the Chiefs now. Like you want to have just a dominant, you can dominate and get there every year. That's not the reality. I would just like the Cowboys to go all in and then suck for 30 more years. But for one year, just do what it takes to go the distance. Do an NFC championship. I'm not even saying a Super Bowl. Do what it takes to go to an NFC championship, and then we'll go from there. We can, we can go from there after that. We can lose for another five years, and we can figure it out. But with a lot of these teams, like even with Green Bay, like at what point are you like, if you're a Green Bay fan, if it wasn't for the Dallas Cowboys, I think you would be the next up on teams that we're picking on. Because, like, you won back in 2011. And you had, you had the young quarterback, you know. You're coming up on 10, 11 years. How are you feeling? Because you're starting to get antsy because you haven't been in a while. You know what I mean? And you sign Aaron Rodgers' four-year deal. Well, what has he done in the last four years that he's not going to do in the next? He's going to be a great quarterback, and he's going to win games. But what his salary, does it handicaps you to losing people like Devontae Adams whenever what could they do? Oh, well, we could trade Aaron Rodgers. We could go get a pick. We could go get another young quarterback. We could keep Devontae. And actually, let's sign Devontae, and now let's go steal, like, Cedric Wilson from Dallas. Let's go steal this receiver, that receiver. Let's build. Let's put some good receivers around a young quarterback and let them, you know, do whatever. And the same thing for Dallas, like, and for lots of these teams. Like, if you're in that point where you have a lot of good things, but – everyone knows you're probably not going to go the distance unless something crazy happens or you're better than you thought. It's time to throw in, throw some things in the trash and recycle them and see what you can get out of it. You know what I mean? And I respect what the Browns have done. I respect a good rebuild. I really like what the Falcons are doing right now. Like in my opinion, they're like, okay, so Matt Falcon, Matt Matt Falcon, Matt Falcon, Ryan, is not going to get his ending that he wants. So the all-time Falcon guy is going to – we're just going to send him off. You know, he's not going to – got nothing with him or Ridley for next year. Let's sign Cordell. He he does weird things in a weird spot. Um, look out for him on my fantasy watch next year because he killed me all this year. Um, so there's Cordell. You signed, re-signed Cordell. It's a good sign. He's a quality player. They could play him lots of places. Kyle Pitts. Um, Kyle Pitts. Um, good building pieces for them to – one year, throw it away. Because what Calvin Ridley's contract doesn't work next year. Like, they can't use it while he's suspended. So that year's going to stack on to the next. So he's actually making no money next year. So what could you do? You know, Calvin, man, this is obviously not our, th- you know, wasn't our decision for the suspension that you got. We're sorry. Let's, let's really work for this, like, this next year. We're not going to tank this year, but we're going to do the best we can do with what we got. We're not committed to going out and spending money right now, so let's do the best with what we got. And as a team like them, trading for Mariota is great. You know, if he turns out to be good and you've got him on a two-year deal, trade him again. Trade him again to another team, and then you can get the young rookie you want. Or this year, you can draft the young rookie you want. He can sit on the bench all year. I'm very against getting a Justin Fields type of guy and then throwing him in week four because you weren't committed. Like, you either start him week one and you let him play the whole season or you don't start him at all that year. You don't play him at all that year. And except for week 17, you let him go out there and throw the ball a few times to end the game to get the feel of it because he was antsy. Okay? But that's how you breed a quarterback. And if the Falcons do it correctly, they're going to find themselves, you know, in a good position again. But I respect a good rebuild. Who do you think right now is – in the NFL is kind of the is kind of the one no one's talking about. Like they're kind of making moves and no one's really 
talking about them? I, I'm not really for sure right now. I feel like football is such a thing. You got to see what happens. Mm-hmm. I think Brady coming back might be like we kind of forget about him a little bit every year. I oh, feel absolutely. Like. And so, and you know, he loses one year, he wins the Super Bowl the next. That, yeah, so. that's that's the Brady rotation. Um, everybody's talking about the Browns right now. I know from being, you know, I, that's the team every every Sunday at twelve o'clock. That's the game I'm going to turn on. Mm-hmm. But a team that, um, in twenty twenty one, just a year ago, had the Cincinnati Chiefs, not the Cincinnati Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs on the <laughs> ropes in the playoffs with Baker at quarterback and with a worse defense. <laughs> you had the defense that they added the last offseason and a real quarterback. I think they could win their win the division and go to the Super Bowl. I would see it. I would see it. I mean, if things go right. I'm yeah. not against it. I'm going to hold you to it, though, if they don't. If things blow up, I'm going to hold you oh, to I'm it. Oh, I'm all in this year for the Browns. I, I was – I haven't – You're starting people, to sound like a Cowboys fan, People Jackson. don't know this about me, but I, for the longest time, didn't even have a football team. And then I was like, okay, I got to pick out a team. So I was like, can't go a team that's popular. Can't go a team that, you know, has been, won the Super Bowl recently. I like Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I'm going to the Cleveland Browns. Oh, boy. And now I'm all in on Cleveland Browns. And I think this is the first year that I'm going in like they are an actual Super Bowl contender. Wow. You heard it here first. The right Browns here. Are Double Super bonus con- podcast. Contenders. I, however, um, I would like to tank and I would like to trade Zeke and I would like to blow my football team up to the ground because I just – just am sick to my stomach about my football team. And here's why I'm sick, Jackson, is because I just watched Kentucky get beat by the Peacocks, and now I get to watch 182 baseball games because baseball is just an unwatchable sport. Um, but I will support uh, my local team anyways. And then, for those of you that don't know the story, I was born into being a Cowboys fan, so I have always had to be miserable. And I think by the time I'm 25, if I've spent uh, more than a quarter of my life rooting for them and – I am frustrated at the management and the ownership of the team. Would people would people on this podcast please let me know what you think if you've listened this far? Please tell me if I'm allowed to leave my team after so many years because I'm ready, but I don't know where to move because I also look at a lot of other owners and I'm like, well, is it, it can't be better. Like the grass is not greener on the other side. I'm just going to be here like a Cubs fan until I'm 102 and I finally watch the Cowboys win a Super Bowl. Um, As fans, we are in completely different places right now. You have Kentucky, who just lost to St. Peter's, and the Cowboys, who you're ready to burn to the ground. And I got my Carolina Tar Heels, who are the hottest team in the nation. Okay. Well, hottest (laughs) might be hottest might be a little much. Hottest might be a little much. They might be feeling. They feel good. They feel good. Boys are hot. Um, A seeds do have a tendency to run to the championship when they come out, like a similar fashion to what North Carolina did, because Kentucky did it. And that was the last time I had fun watching them in the tournament, besides when they were 40 and 0. But that was just like anxiety every game. Um, so here's my last note for the listeners about the NFL is do n- never trust, never trust a ESPN quarterback mock draft. They are wrong almost 80% of the time. Like I would say Schefter even last year, he reported uh, whatever quarterback he reported was going to San Francisco. And then they took – oh, he reported – um. Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson lock in San Francisco. And then it was, you know, it was Trey Lance. And he like locked that thing in on draft day. He was like, lock, I've talked to San Francisco people. So I just don't trust ESPN when it comes to uh, quarterback ranking. Next week, um, 
we will actually rank uh, the quarterbacks in the draft. We, we're going to do some work this week and rank them and get that to you guys next week. And we're going to take a look at uh, what quarterbacks. Uh, one of them has tattoos on his hand, and that has never been a good trend for quarterbacks. They always do bad. Um, I think that's probably some NFL, you know, scam scheme thing. But um, the NFL is going great. LeBron is still the king. And my bracket is, I haven't looked at it. It's, if you followed us, I think I'm at 90%, which is nice to stay in the 90% range, but it's only 90% because I got a lot of the games that didn't matter right, which is very usual for me. So maybe I should just pick the games that don't matter, and the next year I'll let other people pick all the games that do matter because that's how it goes every single year. But the odds are 1 in 900 quadrillion to get a perfect one. So who am I to judge? You know what I always like looking at? Who's the last pick in the uh, in the draft for this year? And the projection right now is the Detroit Lions are going to take Matt Coral, which is actually the actually the quarterback I was talking about that has a tattoo on his arm. So <laughs> Matt Coral, we will rank him next week among with other quarterbacks like Malik um, from Liberty, where I go to school, which is also fun. But Jackson, what do you think tonight? NBA's on. Uh, most of them have got let me take a look here most of them are getting down to about the last like 10 or so games 10 or so games yeah they're getting there because uh, there's 82 and like the Heat have played I know that I saw the Heat last night I was looking at their stuff and they've played 72 so they're you're getting about last 10 or so games Um, but if you've listened this far let me know what you thought about my whole um approach to uh, restructuring college sports to make them more watchable because I am all in on helping the NCAA better this stuff so at the end of the year I can't sit here and yell that the Big Ten was overrated because they were. Um, In my opinion, Purdue was the only one that made it out, and I think with the Michigan thing, you you can say whatever you want. I think that Michigan is the outlier of the team that gets hot. You know what I mean? Like, there's always an outlier of the team that gets hot. Um, for example, the ACCs, that would be Notre Dame. But other than that, you had uh, North Carolina and Duke, which are always good teams, and they were ranked probably a little low. Uh, like, Duke got a two, which which was fair, which was fair. North Carolina, I thought, was maybe a six, because if you beat a two seed, I don't understand how you get the A seed. And they're like, well, if you beat the two seed, we'll give you the one seed and see what you can do. I thought that wasn't fair to them. But they outlasted Baylor anyway, so down go the Bears, and I liked watching that. So, Jackson, what would be your uh, what would be your team to watch next weekend for March Madness? Houston Cougars. I, I watched them mm. play the Illinois game. They, that was Those sad. boys play defense. Mm, I, they do. I, 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 I picked them to be Illinois, and I also picked them to be Arizona. I hope in my not. bracket, that is that is the game to watch on the Thursday Fridays <laughs> for me. I hope not. I um I'm not gonna watch the NIT because I have a life, but um I might turn it on in the background while I'm cleaning or something. Um I want to watch Michigan Villanova. I think that would be fun. I think that'll be fun to watch. Um Duke and Texas Tech is gonna be a great game, and uh, the problem is is they're all super late, and so super late games. But Thursday we've got. Um, Gonzaga and Arkansas they tip it off and then the last game is Arizona-Houston uh, Friday the tip off is Purdue and St. Peter's which is just a huge 
I will not watch them play um, because that's how salty I am. And then UCLA, North Carolina, I think is actually the best game that day. It'll be on at uh, projected to be 6. six yeah, 840. Yep. The game before that, Kansas and Providence, don't care, rock chalk. I think I've got like a random, I got Kansas in a draft thing somewhere, so I win some money if Kansas wins this whole thing. No, I so, have Providence in that same draft. Rock chalk. Your draft did not go well for you. The first, you lost a lot of teams that first oh, day. Yeah. Um, I've got three Sweet 16 teams, though. Oh, my goodness. There's so there's so much when we talked about from March Madness last week to looking at this week, um, and I could talk about this forever, but talking about the rebound of conferences and, like, next year the SEC will be back. They'll have three in Sweet 16 weekend. Um, the Pac-12 was the same this year, so I think – or not the same, but it was a little less, so they're declining. They won't be as good next year, especially because the – um, I think the Arizona coach is going to leave. I've kind of heard rumors he might leave. Um, but And then the ACC will remain consistent, as it always does. And the up-and-down conference will be the Big Ten. They'll have less teams in the tournament, more in the Sweet 16 next year. And people will be like, oh, we said this, this is why we said they were good. But other than that, you have been here on the Double Bonus Podcast with Pacey and Jackson. We will see you guys next week.